God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God sound like? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially the Bible is a collection of God conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, I just had some bad pizza? Jesus said we'd recognise his voice and follow him. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Godconversations.com Hi, and welcome to episode 22 of the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, speaker, and the founder of GodConversations.com. Over the years, many people have asked me this question. How does it feel to be a woman in ministry? So I thought I'd take some time on a podcast to answer it. Well, actually, this is the second part of the answer. I did the first part way back in episode 13. Got a tad distracted. I think it must have been that book of Revelation in between. But I wanted to continue on from part one where I shared my story as a woman in ministry and how moving into this role meant working through so many issues related to both the head and the heart. So today in part two, we're going to look at the other side of the same question. How do others feel about me being a woman in ministry? What responses have there been from pastors and leaders and friends and strangers I've met along the way? And what difference does that make? So why am I sharing this? Well, it's, I can tell you now it's not to indulge in something that's all about me. But the reason why I'm sharing it is because I believe that it's going to help you to process what's happening in the society around us in relation to gender roles and the relation to the roles of men and women in every sphere of society, not just in the church, but also in wider society and in the home. And I believe it's going to help you, whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, whether you are a churchgoer or whether you are just operating in the corporate world, I believe it's going to help you understand some of the issues that we're facing today. But first of all, just a quick ministry update and a special welcome to any new listeners to the podcast. Here in Sydney, it's approaching Christmas as I'm recording this. So it's warming up a bit in Australia. Those of you who are in the Northern Hemisphere are heading towards the winter. But I also find that as we near towards the end of the year, it's a great time to reflect I know it's been a huge year for God Conversations, not only in terms of travelling ministry, but also in terms of some of our new media endeavours. You may have noticed that we've been a lot more on radio this year, not just through radio interviews, but through many of our God spots that have gone around Australia and New Zealand. So it's been exciting to see the doors that God has opened up for us. We're trying to get this message out that God is a personal God, that he wants to have a conversation with us. And it's not just a one-way conversation. So can I just take a moment to say thank you. Thank you to the listeners of this podcast, whether you you listen regularly or this is just a one-off, or for those of you who read the blog and and support the ministry face-to-face, who drop a line and email, who give me encouragement along the way. Thank you so much for your support this year. 
As a team, we're also making great plans for 2015. Very exciting to see what God is doing. And and if you're interested, if you're a church or a college or an organisation that's looking at hosting God Conversations next year, can I encourage you, get in touch. The sooner the better. I find that plans that are made earlier are often more effective in terms of their reach. So we'll be very excited to to travel further and field and see what God does to open up doors and in helping people to learn how to recognise the voice of God in their own life. So how does it feel to be a woman in ministry? Let me start by sharing a story with you. A number of years ago, a good friend of mine, Cameron Butler, At the time, he was the chaplain for the Melbourne Football Club. For those of you who are not from Melbourne, I'm talking about AFL here, Australian Rules Football. And Cam was the chaplain of the Melbourne Demons, the Melbourne Ds, as we'd call it affectionately. And he was a part of my church. And on one particular occasion, he invited me to a fundraising event hosted by the Melbourne Footy Club for all its um, workers. And I was invited to come along and be a part of that. And there was something that happened right at the beginning that I'll never forget. We walked in the door. The first thing I noticed was that the whole room, the whole restaurant was full of men. And um, Cam comes up and he decides to introduce me to some of the players. Of course, AFL football players are very tall, even taller than me. So you can imagine me standing there and there's these three players around me. And, and Cam, you know, he's got a bit of a wink in his eye. He says to these players, he says, hey, guys, I'd like to introduce you to my pastor. This is Tanya Harris. You should have seen the look on their faces. Their faces dropped in utter bewilderment and shock. And then we have one of those awkward, really awkward moments, like, what do you say now? What do we talk about? And I said something about football and how does it feel to be the captain? And as I said, it was always a little bit awkward. You see, those kinds of conversations reveal the fact that I'm often seen to be a little bit odd. I'm a little bit of an anomaly in a profession where there are not many women in ministry. And if there are, they're perhaps more likely to be nuns. There are times when I'm on an aeroplane or in a hotel or even meeting new friends that I I get incredibly strange looks from people. Sometimes I even avoid telling people what I do before they have misconceptions about who I am. So how does it feel to be a woman in ministry? How do other people respond to that? I want to share a few different responses or attitudes with you today. And as we do that, I want you to think about what we can learn from them. Here's the first one. The first response to being a woman in ministry has been open doors. I've been incredibly fortunate that God has positioned me on a pathway that's clear, where people have opened doors for me, where they have believed in me and the call of God on my life, and they've created and opened opportunities for me to express that call. It happened very early on in the church that I was trained in, then at the Bible college I attended, later on in the two Bible colleges that I worked in. Because of gracious leaders, people who had the wisdom of God and the counsel of God and who were guiding me in that journey that I was on, it felt like God was actually pushing me through the doors rather than the other way around. I've been incredibly blessed. But even as I'm saying that, I know that it's a very different story for many women. There have been those I've met along the way who haven't had that kind of blessing of people believing in them, 
and they find themselves in a place where they've not fulfilled their true potential because of their gender. I find it's such a difficult place to be in because I believe very strongly that an essential component of discipleship is being surrounded by people who believe in you. In fact, I think that's one of the greatest gifts that we can give to others, that we believe in what God has given them, the gifts and the call on their life, and we're there to encourage, we're there to help, we're there to facilitate. For me, it's been doors of opportunity. I remember when I first started pastoring my church in Melbourne, in in Elwood, on the beach front there. Initially, it might have been a little bit strange for people. When we were first starting, I remember we had a young couple come to our church, Mel and Ruffy, good friends of mine now. They had just been on their honeymoon and they were looking for a new church. So they rock up to ours. We were meeting in a community centre and Mel walks in. She tells me later the first thing she thought was, this is it. This is, this is our church home. And she turns to her husband, Ruffy, and he looks at her with this sense of alarm. There's a chick up the front. It was a little bit unusual for him to take leadership from a female. He had a Navy background. He was very much a man's man. So he'd never had that experience before, but he came to know me as who I was. He came to accept my leadership and become one of the greatest supporters on our team. See, over time, as I've lived out what I was called to do, I became accepted for who I was. I wasn't a woman in ministry. I was just Tanya. They soon forgot about my gender, not because they forgot that I was a woman, but because they knew me beyond the label, beyond the title. I was loved and respected, not for being a woman, but not for being not a man either, if that makes sense. My gender was no longer an issue. Sometimes being a woman has actually opened doors. About a year ago, I did an interview on the Vision Radio Network and afterwards the content director spoke to me and said, hey, are you interested in doing some small God spots? We actually don't have many women doing this and we'd love to have both male and female voices on our networks. So oddly enough, what had become an obstacle in some cases actually became a strength in others. I'm so thankful for those people who have believed in me, who've opened doors of opportunity. You know, the thing that we can learn from this is that whatever gender we have, we need to be able to facilitate the gifts and call of other people. No matter who they are, God has a plan for everyone's life as his children. The second response, closed and slightly closed doors, I call this one. See, there's also been closed doors. A few of them I know about, but I imagine there's many more that I don't know about. And many of these closed opportunities come because of the same theological beliefs that I had growing up, that idea that being female is a restriction on what women can do. But, you know, even with that, you're going to get plenty of variation. For example, some doors are just completely shut Years back when I first started my ministry, I've always had a heart for missions, for cross-cultural mission. I had a lot of experience working with Wycliffe Bible Translators back in my 20s and also working in the South Pacific. And I had a friend who was working over there and we talked about perhaps doing a ministry trip into that area. Given my background and given the time that I had, we thought it was a great idea. So we kind of explored it a little bit and the message came back. It's not going to work. And the reason? Because I was a woman. 
The door shut. It made me sad to think that they weren't able to receive from the fruit of my ministry, but that's just how it is. Other doors haven't been quite so shut, but they've just been slightly ajar, shall we say. I remember one church that invited me along to minister for the weekend. The plan was to do a seminar on the Saturday and then to speak in the Sunday service. Well, soon after that, the pastor contacted me. The leaders had had a meeting and they decided that it was only appropriate for me to conduct the Saturday seminar, but not the Sunday, because I was a woman. Well, as it turns out, let me just say that 80% of the church came along to that Saturday seminar. And I have to say, it was one of the best ones I've ever done. The people were so hungry and so open and we saw God do some awesome things to the point where I really didn't mind not speaking on Sunday. All I cared about was that people learn to recognise the voice of God. It's funny because this scenario came about from the very same way of thinking that I grew up with. But at the same time, it was the kind of inconsistency that said you could speak on one day but not the other that provoked the questions that led me on the journey to understand what the Bible actually teaches about this topic. The third response, this one has been of curiosity and it's mostly come from non-churchgoers. It happens frequently on aeroplanes. Whenever I introduce myself, the second question is always, and what do you do? And suddenly I'm a bit of a novelty. I've become an interesting person because they've never seen a pastor like that as a, as a young woman. I remember once I was staying in a hotel in Queensland and I was just leaving my room, going out the reception area, and the receptionist calls over and says, you're a very interesting person, aren't you? I said, pardon? As it turns out, he'd, he'd looked at, when I checked in, he'd seen my email address, Tanya at godconversations.com. He'd looked at the website and he'd started to see some of the things that we do and he was shocked. You're, you're, what, tell me what it is that you do. You're a pastor? I think he thought I was in PR or marketing. So it was interesting that my gender began a conversation about spirituality, became an entry point because it broke down the stereotypes. People have this idea that ministers are always male and married and I break the stereotype. I remember another occasion I was doing a good friend's wedding. It was such a great day, but it was was held in a hotel and it was a cocktail event. So I was wearing a cocktail dress because that was part of the the dress code and I was performing the ceremony. (laughs) And afterwards I had a whole host of people coming up to take photos with the minister (laughs) because... It was so unusual that she was female. They were so intrigued. They wanted to know more about God. So, hey, whatever it takes, hey. The fourth response I've had hasn't been quite so much fun. And unfortunately, this has come mostly from within the church. And that has been the response of suspicion and of confusion. I remember introducing myself to someone a number of years ago, a pastor, and I'd I'd just been involved in pastoring and planting my church and they looked at me and the next question they asked me was, was I in rebellion? Why why would I do such a thing? And um, we had a good chat about it, but sometimes people just don't understand. They have never seen a woman doing that before, so it becomes an area of rejection 
And I find it's also it's an incredibly sensitive topic for people. Sometimes people just can't face it. They, they don't want to talk about it. It's just too hard. And in many ways I empathise with this because I remember feeling exactly the same way myself. When I first started to be mentored by my pastor, Melinda Dwight, who's been such an incredible influence on my life, she mentored me very closely for a period of five or six years. But I remember when I first met her and she was the senior pastor of our church and I just, I, I would just stare at her from a distance because I had never seen a strong female leader. I'd only ever seen men in that position. All of my life, the role models I had had around me were males. And here here was a woman, she's wearing a a skirt. (laughs) She was was strong and she was strategic and she was leading people. And I I just remember standing back just thinking that was so odd. And I'm sure that I, you know, furrowed my brow plenty of times and I looked suspiciously at her and I probably thought, you know, she's doing the right thing. And I think I know how that feels because I've been on the other end of it. But, you know, sometimes people just don't know what to do with it. They have never seen it before. I remember teaching a course overseas and a young woman about mid-20s, she comes up to me afterwards and she looks at me and she says, so so, so I can do this. I, I, I can live my dream. I, can, I don't have to wait. I, she was so taken aback because she'd never seen a, a female live out a ministry call before and here it was in front of her face. So one of the things that we do see is we see a whole host of different reactions and I've come to understand that for many people we're still working this out. You know, there's been such a dramatic change in history. The truth is that our society and the church within that society is in an enormous transition in history. For most of history, the world has been heavily patriarchal. But in the Western world particularly, there is a massive shift towards equality, a shift to where men and women are working alongside each other, that leadership is no longer based on gender. Think about it. In the last century, within the last 100 years, women were not permitted entrance to universities. And it was really believed that they couldn't or shouldn't learn, that they weren't able to. That was, that was a value. That was their reality. It's only been 100 years, in Australia at least, that women were permitted to vote. Their opinion didn't hold weight back then. In fact, when I was in Switzerland recently, I learnt that women only got the vote 40 years ago. In some European countries, it's only been in the last 30 to 40 years that women were allowed to travel without their husband's permission. And even more so, it's only been in the last 40 to 50 years that the church has moved theologically to the place where it's acknowledged that women are actually made in the image of God because before that they were seen to be kind of made in the sub-image of God, made in the image of man or perhaps not even at all. So there's a lot of change going on in our world today and people are still working it out. In in the broader society, a lot of the talk centres around things like gender pay gaps, um, the use of sexist language 
an emphasis on looks for women rather than their achievement. I was reading Julia Gillard's, um, our former Prime Minister in Australia, her biography recently, and she was telling a story about how when she was visiting Japan during the time in the aftermath of the tsunami, and there was a photograph taken of her, the scene of absolute devastation. She'd gone over there with a gesture of support to bring aid to the country in the time of loss and, and devastation. And there's a photograph of her. She was standing in this scene. The photo made it into the newspaper. And accompanying it was a whole editorial written by a woman, funnily enough. And the editorial was about how bad her fashion sense was in that photograph. Appalling. But these are some of the, the discussions that are going on in our broader society. Recently in Australia, we had White Ribbon Day. And in Australia, 40% of police work is given to sorting out issues of domestic violence against women. So these are some of the, the issues, gender issues that the society is facing. In the church, the movement looks quite different, I think. Some of the issues centre around questions like, can women preach? At all, If they can preach, can they be in senior leadership? And how far up in the leadership can they go? Where does the ceiling come? And if they are working on the leadership team, should they be doing the kids' pastor's job? Again, in the home, it's another big issue. Do men lose their masculinity when they parent, when they're spending more time nurturing at home? Perhaps the woman goes out and makes more money. Is that a God thing? Is that, is that theologically correct? So we're still working out. What does it mean for men and women to stand alongside each other? We, we know that, that we're equal, that there's value, that God places value, that we're both made in the image of God. But the question is, what does that look like? And I think when we're facing some of these issues, we need to understand the nature of transition that we're in and move graciously towards a different vision to understand that people's reactions will be strong because of what they've known, because we've never walked this way before. A couple of thoughts to finish up on. A couple of thoughts I've learnt from my journey. Something to say to women and something to say to men. To the women, I think it's really important that we work on our identity in who we are in God. Go to God. Find out, what am I here for? God, who have you made me? What giftings do I have? And then let him form you into the person that he designed you to be. I talked about this a lot in episode 13 about my journey towards what God had for me. This was not what I'd planned. This was not how I saw myself in the future. I'd always believed that I'd fit a certain role. And God had to press through a lot of those mindsets, not just in my head, but in my heart, because when we believe something in our head, it forms who we are. So it becomes an identity issue. So I needed to go to God and say, God, who have you called me to be? What have you called me to do? And it was completely different, let me say, to what I had ever expected. But I'm so thankful that I'm living part of the fullness of what he's called me to be. To the men I say this, please help women to be all that God has formed them to be. And don't get threatened by what you see. Don't get threatened that women are rising up and taking their place alongside you. Be an encourager, be a supporter and understand, yes, that some of these changes mean that you may find yourself asking, well, who am I in this? I thought that I had this role. What does it mean now that the women are rising up in this role? How do I work beside them without being threatened by some of the changes 
that I see. Genesis 1 verses 27 to 28, I believe, offers us a vision of where we're going. It's, it's the pattern that God instituted from the very beginning. This is what he said. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created humanity together in his own image, male and female, working to steward the earth, to steward God's kingdom on the planet. He gave us that mandate to work together, not to compete but to cooperate, that we may see his purposes fulfilled on the earth. Thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of the journey of what it means to be a female pastor today. But we'd love to hear from you. What has your response been to some of the transitions that you see happening around you? Some of the differences in gender roles as a man, as a woman. We'd love to hear from you, godconversations.com forward slash blog forward slash 022. That's our episode number today, episode 22. Jump on the website. Love to hear your comments, questions, perhaps thoughts that you'd like to discuss about what does it mean to be a man and a woman in God's kingdom today. Thanks so much for listening. We're looking forward to sharing with you next time on the podcast. And if this has been helpful to you, don't forget to share it with a friend. And until next time, may you hear the voice of God and have the courage to follow it. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.